Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Marathon with Mike and Murph. Uh, we are here today to talk about a Die Hard on a Bus for the continuation <laughs> of our Die Hard on a Blank podcast run. Uh, Mike, what bus movie would you like to talk about tonight? Would you like to talk about The Wheels on the Bus or would you like to talk about <laughs> something else? Uh, well, I actually watched every episode of The Magic School Bus, so <laughs> <laughs> I may not be prepared for this one. <laughs> I... Uh, I don't have any better bus jokes, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump straight into this. <laughs> I'm just happy I, I, I had something I could pull. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, did you watch the one, uh, the Magic School Bus, where they go? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> this is something horrible. Um, yes, probably. <laughs> I, I used um, to love that show and the books. Aren't you too old for that shit? Like, weren't... No? No, when we were in elementary school, there's the Magic School Bus. Like the cartoon show, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, that <laughs> I don't know. That deserves a Google. And we're derailed already. <laughs> so, but yeah, so we gonna... are talking about 1994's Speed. Oh, Die season Hard, one, episode one, 1994 for the Magic <laughs> oh, Really? Yes. It's all it's coming together. It's all coming together. The bus was in the zeitgeist. <laughs> it was it's weird because Dennis Hopper's on the first episode too, which is really fucked up. <laughs> so weird. That's crazy. I did not. I did not expect that. So yeah. So what are we talking about? Uh, well, the movie starts out speed. It starts out uh, the Die Hard on the Die Hard because they're in the building. <laughs> yeah, then we get Die Hard on a bus. Then we get Die Hard on a subway, and it was I, I was. Very appreciative to get three diehards for one movie. <laughs> Which you had a pretty good tie-in that it kind of hits all of the premises or premises of the of the three diehard the three original diehard movies, right? Like so it's in a building, it's on a bus, sort of in an airport, and then it is on a subway, which is diehard. <laughs> they 3, do go so to an airport, it's true. They do go to an airport. Spend a good bit of time on a runway. <laughs> See? If John McClain was there, um uh I'm sure he would have helped intervene on this bus well before Jack Traven did. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we we are going to continue our our um, uh, our Die Hard on a Blank uh, run with this. Uh, I I love this movie. This is probably actually I would say this yeah. is probably my favorite movie I, we've done at this entire series. So make it really easy when we get to the end to do ratings. I was also going to say the only other one I well I I was going bigger picture even. Um, for our podcast, the only other one I could think of was was, <laughs> was Halloween. But as you say, is this the biggest cultural hit we've done? Just like uh, this really pervaded the culture. I mean, you see it in things like The Critic and like The Simpsons references this, and like it's... yeah, no, it probably is. Um, Halloween, Halloween's tough to beat. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think because this this was this was this was the movie to me in 1994 of like uh, it's it was the big summer blockbuster. I I don't know. It sort of felt like Death it was the was. The, uh, I think I think one. Wait for it. Wait for it. And Mike's gone. We've lost him. Well, what I was going to say was, I think this is one of the best. I'm guessing it's not recording me. No, it's recording you. <laughs> it, it misses <laughs> everything except the part where you say, I guess it's not recording me. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, I hope this is better because I listened to Passenger 57 and I might have to figure something out 
or we might need to record separately and then combine tracks because I'm sure that will go perfectly. That tech I- yeah, <laughs> that, but the tech issues in that one were, were a little rough. Yeah, I'm sorry, on everybody. A, on so a, on my end, we're uh, yeah, not exactly doing this with the uh, highest technology or production. Apparently, or- we're both too cheap to spring for Xfinity uh, high speed. But no, I mean, or if, so, is- or if there's someone out there who wants to produce our podcast for free, yeah. I'll either take they payment are for the very internet, welcome to, or I will take uh, uh, I'll take the fifteen dollars back from the Zoom <laughs> Zoom subscription. <laughs> um, but no, this uh, I'm trying to look at what this beat beat out um, in terms of 1994. Oh, you know what it beat out? The mass this opened this opened June 10th. You know what else? You know what it said on June 10th? It said "fuck you, Billy Crystal, fuck you, Curly, and fuck your gold. fuck you, Legends of Curly's Gold." <laughs> And fuck you, Jack Palance, just in case. <laughs> and it beat out um, Beverly Hills Cop 3, which was probably really on the way up when uh, this came out a few weeks later. So I'm sure I that's really the, the best Beverly Hills, Hills Cop Hill. movie. <laughs> you don't think it was uh, Bronson Pinchot that maybe derailed that one? Or... <laughs> no. Um, oh, man, that movie is a rough. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, uh, so to your point on cultural stuff, I did watch right before we, we started started this. Uh, I did go watch that episode of The Critic where uh, <laughs> they do a parody of the speed reading. For anybody who's never watched it, I definitely recommend watching uh, a couple episodes of John Lovett's The Critic if you like um, uh, movies, the most of the movies that we focus on, because at one point or another, they probably touch on all of them. Yeah, and, uh, and this one was especially brutal to Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it's a, it's actually feels a little mean spirited. Like it does point. now. It, it, it in hindsight it does <laughs> feel, and so that's what I mean. That's what I, I wanted to talk about a lot with this was. This is kind of at a time, and, and you you mentioned mentioned the movies, and I forgot about them. But this is this is Keanu Reeves post Point Break. It's post uh, Bill and Ted's uh, excellent. Oh God! Excellent journey and their boat and <laughs> well, maybe their bogus excellent, adventure. Excellent adventure. Excellent adventure bogus and bogus journey. journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think uh, I felt bad for Keanu Reeves in hindsight because he kind of got typecast in as being a sort of a Southern California kind of surfer idiot. Um, which yeah, I think those really the Bill and Ted ones definitely people enjoyed running with that like uh, that character as who he was. Right. I think it's the sort of the. The way he delivers lines and talks, he, he kind of has a very uh, careful way he delivers lines. And I think that people just kind of harped on that. And it's weird now because I look back and I, he's been in enough other stuff that I've kind of forgotten about the Bill and Ted stuff. So to me, it's like, no, yeah. it's just Keanu Reeves. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he sort of reestablished that persona without without having that baggage. So speaking of that, um, watching it this time, I listened to the Yandabant commentary for it which was really good and really interesting and uh I, you will appreciate how much he talked about um practical basically practical effects like really doing stunts was the much better way to do it because the audience could just tell and that that it really heightens the the mood and atmosphere to actually actually do the stunts practically and particularly if you can have the actor actually do the stunt because the audience can really see and feel that but so he talked a lot about keanu um, acting in this and that he had some reservations or hesitation about kind of doing an action movie um, and how he really had to kind of sell him on. You have to go, you have to go big in your performance in, the, in these action movies 
Like it, everything in it is heightened, and your performance has to match that. But you have to do it earnestly. You have to believe it, and it can be difficult for an actor who's maybe because because kind of prior to this, he had done the Coppola Dracula movie. He didn't like much ado about nothing. He was kind of trying to veer on a dramatic path, and if you're kind of in that vein, you're maybe not ready. Like you, you don't need subtlety in yeah. In these action movies, you need a big performance to match the craziness of the concept and plot. And, um, and that, that was interesting. You could kind of see that in his performance a little not. Um, he still has that. like um, I don't know how to describe it. That Keanu Reeves esque, but he's a little more emotion, a little bigger than maybe you see him sometimes. Yeah, fair. I um I do laugh because he gets. uh typecast is kind of like the straight typical southern california guy but he's actually from i think uh toronto <laughs> so it's like, yeah. like he's from california hmm. but yeah no i i uh i read that that devont had to convince him to take the role because he didn't want to do another action movie because i think he was taking he was going for those dramatic movies um but i kind of think he's the perfect guy for this i don't i don't think i'd change anything about uh and we'll, we'll talk about it more but i wouldn't change anything about the cast of this movie at all i think no um, no i think really really fantastic. everybody across the board's good in this and um uh really kind of delivers on on their their part um uh speaking of casting this i'll just want to talk about it real quick because it always makes me laugh and it's my it's my background photo as well <laughs> um it's the moment where jeff daniels spoiler alert uh, realizes he's gonna die <laughs> and he almost yeah. gets blown up but Jeff Daniels is just, I always forget that he's in this until I watch it. And then I always just have him in my head as he was Harry from Dumb and Dumber, same year. And he's yeah. Harry in this. And it's it's just funny to me that I feel bad to some extent because I always think of him as being a comedic actor, but I think he can he can do serious roles. Um, oh, yeah. Like that. Case in point, this. Um, uh, he was in Something Wild. I think that was a really good, even though it's kind of a comedy, you know. He, he he's a really great actor and I, I think he he's he plays a really good compliment to Keanu Reeves as his partner Harry in this um, no he's fantastic so. and if I remember like, that dumb and dumber role like it kind of took people by surprise um for him to be doing such a slapsticky um comic role and that, yeah so, but for for our generation though when that, like dumb and dumber is probably our first exposure to him <laughs> that's his <laughs> it was like, yeah, who he 100%. forever is kind of gonna be for us like <laughs> well but I, I, it's nice to see him in stuff like this because it does feel like um again i forget he can be a serious actor and i liked him in um I mean, the movie itself is not that great but it was the steve jobs movie with ashton kutcher i mean the movie is not terrific i've not seen that but he plays uh i can't remember the guy's name but he's the former president of of pepsi who's the guy who kind of brought pepsi into into serious prominence then apple hired him and he ended up sort of replacing jobs he's pretty good in that as a a serious uh sort of businessman yeah he's just one of those guys i like jeff daniels i don't i wish we saw him in more stuff and i think he's good in this as a more serious kind of action guy and actually a, a more recent um he was really good in The Martian. I never Matt saw Damon get stuck he on like Mars. The head um, he's like the head of NASA, NASA? Okay. basically. Like, um, it is very in a time seeing him. Uh, I was not like he was just very good. I wasn't thinking of him as Harry from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> um, 
Which and in again, the... somebody who got type, probably typecast for a while and, and being in that kind of, I don't know. I wonder if that like hurt his career long, long term. Fair question. Fair question. But I mean, yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. And then you never know what choices someone's making just because of maybe the financial success of that, let him go do smaller stuff, stuff he was interested in. Cause he's also in like the squid and the whale. I think it's Noah Baumbach movie. Um, yeah. Um, but... I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Pleasantville. I think he was pretty good as that in that as well. Oh yeah. That was a big movie. Um, and arachnophobia uh, still holds yeah. up. <laughs> I have not seen that and uh, don't really have an interest in seeing it because I do not like spiders. All right. Well, then, well, <laughs> sorry about your luck, does, Jeff Daniels. Does not sound fun, like a fun time to me. Um, but yeah, I, again, the cast, the cast all, all across the board um, is really good in this. Uh, Joe Morton plays uh, Mac. And I, I got to look up his name. Joe Morton's name. This <laughs> is like Mac. McMac Mac or something like that. It's, so crazy. it's, it's Captain McMahon, <laughs> or it, it's a little weird. All right, I'm, I'm gonna find it. Uh, yeah, yeah, Captain McMahon. I saw the Captain is Captain McMac Mac something somewhere else. Okay, so whatever I saw <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, clearly, I was I was going down the wrong, the rabbit a rabbit hole that was not right. So um, also catching Sandra Bullock at a great time. Uh, uh, she's yeah. still kind of coming up, but I mean, this kind of launches her into some things, but she's just like a few years away from being way overqualified kind of for this type of, for this role. And that goes a long way too. that. She's fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, I think Reeve, Reeves is lucky or not. We're, maybe Reeves is lucky, but we're lucky that, you know, between, uh, Jeff Daniels and then Sandra Bullock. He's got some really good actors to play off of that that really sell and and have a good connection yeah. with him. What are you talking about? Like Joe Morton, fantastic, and then yep. Well, I mean, everyone all, on the bus all, is really good. All good. Alan Ruck's on there. Um, Alan um, Ruck, same year. He's a he's a captain in Star Trek Generations. Big I I have, I have not followed his career at all after um after Ferris Bueller. Uh, he's in a. Do you watch uh, Succession? Uh, I've not. I need to. Okay. He's he's in that too. He's very good in that. That, uh, that one hits a little close to home for famous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I liked I like him in this. I like uh, Ortiz, the guy who plays Ortiz in this. Um, the yes. guy who who plays the uh, bus driver Sam um, does a pretty good job, even though he looks. Horrible. Hot on James. Yeah, he spends most of the movies looking shot and fucked up. So it's pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There's like you pointed it out too, and I noticed it this time as well. There's a great, like, somewhat like (laughs) meet cutie scene between like between uh, Reeves and Bullock, and like in the background, it's a bus driver just just like he's been shot. His face is like ashen. Yeah, he's he's bleeding out, and he's just like, I just want to get off this bus. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's like. All you see bobbing over Sandra Bullock's shoulder for a lot of the movie. So when do you first think then, you saw this? Dennis Hopper, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Which probably mentioned the, the the good bad guy in this. So Dennis um, Hopper, probably most known for Super Mario Brothers, I'd say. Yeah, I was thinking Easy Rider, but it's definitely being King Koopa in... in yeah, not yeah, not uh, Apocalypse Now, not like Blue Velvet. Yeah, King Koopa. That's, no, that's what everyone, everyone goes to. Yeah, I think it has to be that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um uh yeah no i i saw this i definitely didn't see it in theaters because i was too young but i remember my mom renting it 
when right like the weekend it came out on vhs at blockbuster and so we went and got it and then i remember i remember sitting and watching it in our our living room i mean this was back when the time between a vhs a film release in theaters and then vhs or rentals was like six months or almost yeah it it was a wait yeah Yeah. so this was i can't remember exactly the time frame but it was especially for a big hit like this because it would just play in theaters for a long time and yep but uh no i I remember watching on 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 like a friday night at home with the family on um on vhs so how about you uh i remember watching it distinctly um I was at sleeping over at my cousin's house. I have two cousins, one who is our age and one Quit who's a little younger. Uh, and, and my aunt rented it for us to for us to watch. Um, uh, and I remember very distinctly, like this was like we all loved it, but it was the first time. Like so many things really sticking out because somewhat because it was the first time, somewhat because the movie is really great. But like the first time I heard someone say "fuck me." <laughs> <laughs> And how many times do you get in trouble after this movie? Yeah. <laughs> and but I remember that sounded like the coolest thing I'd ever heard in my life. Uh yeah, the this guy's the, awesome. The cursing in this is pretty good because it, it is always very effective and it's never it's never wasted. But uh but yeah, I um mm, yeah. I uh I liked this a lot though, just because to me, I don't know, man. We're gonna talk about it obviously, but this is this is such a well rounded probably one of the last action movies like this that I, I think I could you can point to and just be like, yep, everything just works on on all levels. You've got a really good uh cast as we talked about. The music is solid. Uh Jean Debont is the director and he was what the DP for Die Hard, just to kind of tie that back in. Yeah, and Lethal Weapon. And Lethal and Weapon. Worked with like Richard Donner. Like yeah, yeah it was on a ton um, of and he did a bunch of, I think he was Verhoeven's guy for a couple of years, yep. right? Yep. Um, so he did a bunch of movies with Verhoeven, I think Basic Instinct. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just really think this is probably one of the most complete action movies we will cover, on, at least on this run, in terms of just, it just delivers on, on every front. And I, I don't really have a lot. I, I think I told you, like, I don't have a lot of uh, gripes. Or, or parts where I'm just taking notes to like make fun of this because I'm just looking at it and just, yep, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just sitting here watching the movie and just having a good time with it because it's such a, it's such a, <laughs> to me, it's such a perfect movie. Uh, and I, I think credit to, yeah. to DeBont, I think he had a good vision. And you, and you listen to the commentary, but I think he had a great vision for what he wanted to do with this. And he had a lot of concerns about you know, letting it be too slow. And I think he, he put a lot of energy into trying to, to make sure that the pacing is 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 well done. Yeah, you can really see. They like, listened to him talk about like he read the script because he was looking for. He he knew he was going to get into directing. And he was looking for his first project, and he initially initially reading the script, he's like, ah, a movie on a bus that sounds like really boring potentially. Um, and as he was reading, he's like, okay, I, I I see some potential here. And then they like, listened to him talk. He was like, okay, I'm still worried it's going to be boring. So we need to make sure every x number of minutes something is happening uh but what's really impressive within that is when they do take the time to cut back to jeff daniels character and it slows down for a tiny bit um it's still exciting and dramatic looking for like a a bomb and a bomber (laughs) Uh, uh but yeah the pacing it's pretty 
unrelenting and it's it, but not in like an exhausting way in a very fun way no i, I think to your point the, the the when they cut to shots off the bus with um with uh jeff bridges character a lot of that is like okay you're gonna get like a little bit of a breather from everything going on in the bus where there's all action and all the time you get a little bit of breathing and it kind of slows down just enough and then and then when you you die back into the action you go back onto the bus so that was that was one thing that just continues to to kind of strike me when i was watching it was the pacing works really well where you never have they'll show you some unbelievable things you know bus jumping over a 50 foot expanse yeah, of yeah. highway you know the fact that they never go below 50 miles an hour that, you know, Sandra Bullock never happens, manages to actually crash the bus despite all the traffic they're in. So they show you a bunch of unbelievable stuff, but they pace it so well that you never stopped actually like, okay, this doesn't like, okay, this isn't realistic or it doesn't make sense or whatever. It's just, he kind of just keeps hitting you with these really interesting action set pieces and, and it just carries the movie all the way through to the, to the climax. So I, I, I got to give them props because they, they cut this movie perfectly. Yeah, and the characters are to, oh, to your. They used to talk about like Predator and how it just drops you into the action, and you don't really get backstory on the characters. Here you get some your backstory on Reeves and um, Daniels a bit and stuff. But for all the characters on the bus that were with for a good chunk of time, we really get no backstory on them, other than like what you hear, like bits and pieces. But they do a really nice job of in those bits and pieces developing them into like kind of fully fledged characters who you are pulling for understand relate to and it goes a long way to have it having the stakes feel at a personal level yeah agreed speaking of which what do you think sandra bullock's major was at the university of arizona <laughs> I do not have any. I do not even remotely have a guess. <laughs> I'm gonna guess like phys ed. I don't know. Why I said this feeling like I was gonna say communications. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you think she had like a good GPA? Or you think it was like uh, she was like a bees get degrees type of person? <laughs> what do you think, Annie? Uh, Annie? I think she was. I think she was a solid student. Not spectacular, yeah. but solid. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we've already learned that she lost her driver's license in this, which is a, a fun, a fun touch. So yeah, yeah, that it, that's also it's got a bunch of fun little touches like that. That it's just um, it's well thought out. Like the time was put in to like think this out and add little things like that that maybe you don't get in uh some more like kind of rushed projects. Yeah, and I think it's stuff that to me, if I watched this in another movie or I watched it when I was older, I feel like it would probably be cheesy. But for whatever reason, I think the humor, the humor's just well enough timed and just enough. There's just enough depth to all the characters that it, it makes you happy that you, you get it. So well, because it's never convenient, like it's never plot convenient. It's just like oh, that's a funny little touch. Of uh, it's never like it helps them get out of something. Yeah, true. Or like, like, yeah, she doesn't have a license. It doesn't mean she can drive a bus effectively in these circumstances. Like, it, it's just humorous that uh, she's the one who's being tasked to not slow down. Um, it's <laughs> ironic, I think, is the word you'd use. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, 
Well, I guess I we, we're, I'm, I caused us. I'm sorry, I caused us to bounce all over the place. Should we just talk about kind of the basic premise of of, of what this is and the bus that couldn't slow down? The bus that could not slow. Down. <laughs> that, that's the Simpsons one, right? Yeah, was, it's I about the bus, bus at a speed around town, <laughs> keeping its speed over fifty miles an hour. If its speed dropped below fifty miles an hour, it would blow up. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> Oh man, back when The Simpsons was still funny. Oh man, I miss those days. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice setup and delivery. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So to your point, I think this, this, this is maybe peak Die Hard on a blank, because I think yeah, this was this yeah. was sort of pitched as Die Hard on a bus, right? When I also I think it's when you could walk into. If you had a script, it was like, well, the, everyone wants to just make the next Die Hard. So that's, yeah, that's all right. This is a Die Hard on a bus. Even if, you're, however you're tweaking that formula, you can still just sell it that way. And and they would know, oh, we can sell it to the audience that way too. Yeah. Well, and so I, it's, it's a fun, I would say of the movies we've watched so far, this is a f- more fun premise. It's not that complicated. To your point, you know, with the, the pitch of it is so easy that you, you sort of get it without having to try too hard. It, it, it really, you know, you don't, you don't, like you said, you don't need a lot of like subtext to figure out what, what the plot is or like get oriented within the movie or the world of the movie. It, it, it just drops you in and it's, it's a pretty easy jump yeah, straight and, into action. And the movie does a nice job of understanding that where yeah. it gives a Dennis Hopper gives a, basically a like, 30 second exposition of <laughs> here's what's here's what the movie is <laughs> and they trust like that was enough like we're like you've got it now and we're going with this concept and like and like yeah like Keanu Reeves has to tell like the bus driver and Sandra Bullock and stuff and like so you kind of get it reinforced there but it really is just like <laughs> Dennis Hopper like here's the here's the plot now let's go <laughs> I would say for what the ones we've done this has by far the best opening. You mean the entire action sequence, or, or just the the sort of jump straight to action? Like, what's your what's uh, your favorite part? Just, I guess, really the the first act, the setup of Dennis Hopper trying to blow up the rigging the elevator in the office building, and just having like a mini movie to open the movie. Yeah, it's kind of a cold open, technically not, but yeah. I, I I agree, and I think I thought it was cool was um and you you mentioned this in your notes, but the um uh I might get it wrong uh the opening with um the opening credits yeah the opening credit scroll where it's running through the it's running through that elevator shaft and you said that was a miniature actually which yeah was it, I guess it was like a thirty foot long miniature they built um to do the credits and I. Um, and the, the credits, like the names come from like kind of behind beams. And I guess at that time that was like fairly difficult for them to do because it's just not, you forget now that like we, everything is digital. Um, but at that time it was, they could still do that digitally, but it was a little more involved in a process to, <laughs> to do that. Um, well, and that's what's so great about this is you mentioned it already, but the bottom's right, man. It's just focus on practical effects. Uh, and we'll, we can talk about it more, but Reeves doing a lot of his own stunts in this. I think it really sells the how big the movie is, so, and I, I think I, I like that a lot. That was that always to me stands out as again one of the last action movies that's not too CGI'd. Yeah, so I'm curious. 
how big an influence this had on Reeves' career because Debat was talking. One of the things he sold him on is, oh no, it'll be fun. Like you can you can do like the stunts yourself. It's really fun. And he said like Reeves got like pretty into that. And I was like, oh, I wonder how much that influenced his choices going forward. If uh, he was like, oh no, that like yeah, it's cool to do that stuff. I like I enjoy. I'm more into the action. <laughs> I, I, I would kind of I would buy it. I would I would buy it because when I looked at uh, there's videos of him when he's filming John Wick one and he's and it's uh, like weapons training and he's going through a like a kill house dropping targets and you see how fast he you know, so when you watch the movies you're like no nah, there's no way he like moves that fast or he can shoot that good <laughs> then they you see these YouTube videos where it's like uh, just behind the scenes stuff of him shooting John Wick two and you're like oh shit like, okay so he was fifty or 55 when he's making John Wick three or whatever. And you can see how fast he moves and how physical he is. And, and um, okay. If you tell me when he's in his twenties, when he makes speed or I think close yeah. to it, maybe early thirties. Yeah. I a hundred percent believe it. And I, I think to, to, to Reeves credit, I mean, he's pretty buff. I, Cause I made the mistake. All right. Here, here's my mistakes in the last 24 hours before we record a speed podcast. I watched almost all of point break last night <laughs> And then I listened to a podcast today about the net with Sandra Bullock. So <laughs> I completely, it's, it's completely warped my, my, uh, my, my nice kind of where my head's at for these, these people. But um, I think he's pretty physical in point break, but in this um, he's just jacked and it, it's, he's it's a little buffer. Yeah. Yeah. Put on some weight, but he really sells the physicality of the role. I think the whole, the whole time. And, and, and it, feels like he's very capable and it feels like with him doing the stunts you don't get taken out of it as him being a movie star it feels like he could really do you really buy you really buy him like even this far removed like where he's like keanu reeves yeah (laughs) who's been in the matrix and all that stuff like i i really wasn't like i was just buying him as this cop who this young cop who's like super physically capable yeah, of doing all this. Yeah, yeah, and that goes a long way of selling selling the movie. Um, it it does, and in in Point Break, it doesn't really require him. He's just in good shape. It doesn't really require him to be super physical. Um, because oh, Johnny there's, Utah was in great shape. Oh, that's a question I have for you later on. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I, I was just impressed with the physicality of the role and how much Reeves sells it, and you don't ever feel like he's putting on an act. He, it feels like he, he effortlessly sells yeah. it. So Debont talked about, they had a lot of um, SWAT and police consultants on set that they really wanted to make all the movements look realistic and the way they like enter a room, clear a room, look realistic. And I, I do think it goes a long way in the movie to authentic, making it feel authentic to what you're talking about when they get to the bus, the physical impossibility of many of the things they do. Yeah. They've done everything they can to bring authenticity to this world so that you can suspend disbelief uh, on this crazy concept. And it works, man. Sell, sells it for me every time. I think, um, again, I really liked, I, I really like Reeves in this. Um, I really liked, all the other cops in this too. I'm trying to find the guy's name because uh, it makes me laugh. Uh, but there's also another cop in this. Um, we, yeah, we with the about, mustache. Yes, uh, the, we talked about Joe Morton. Um, 
which mm-hmm. Joe Morton to me will forever be Miles Dyson <laughs> because of yeah, Terminator that's always that's always a tough one for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, Richard Lineback plays a guy named Norwood who always is like the punchline for everything. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't. I, I know him most from he's he's obviously in this and he, he plays a pretty big role, but I knew him mostly from the kind of nerdy dipshit deputy from Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of all all I think about when I think about this guy. Hey, you know what I know him from? What's that? Star Trek. Uh, God damn it. Star Trek Next Generation. Romus. Nope. One episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Was he on Next Gen too? He was on Next Generation in 1988. I just looked at his IMDb. (laughs) Oh, he double dipped in the Star Trek universe. Good for him. He played Selen Piers in 1993. And then he played a guy named Romus in (laughs) 1988 on... uh, on uh, uh star trek next uh, next generation so i uh but yeah so i again i really i really enjoyed the uh the, the cast and all of this <laughs> and, it, and it's it's good because they don't pick anybody who was like in this time they didn't get like a stallone or schwarzenegger everybody feels grounded as a character in this like again jeff daniels doesn't feel like he's he's not some ripped dude playing a cop it just feels like an average guy so um yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. it. It feels believable. Like they feel like how I, cops would look. And I even like the opening of this when, to your point, the, the opening bomb sequence where LAPD gets called in after the bomb goes off, and 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 uh, Dennis Hopper's character Howard Payne is holding him hostage for like three million bucks, which feels like a really small oh, amount I've, of money. Today. I have some thoughts about that, but finish yours. Um, but I, it, it's hilarious to me because it opens and your introduction to to Jack and Harry is they launch a Ford Crown Vic over this hill, which I doubt there's even a hill that big in L.A. And it comes careening down and smashes down. And it's the most action movie uh, kind of jokey. It's almost like it's making fun of itself when they do it, but it lands so well that I'm just like, I love it. It's 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 funny. And I kind of buy it at the same time based on who the characters are. I'm like, great. I love it. Like, let's let's. What a great intro for for who these guys are. That's a great way to talk about this movie. And I think that's my favorite. When an action movie can find to walk that line. Mm -hmm. Where you can take it fully seriously. But then you can also find like. The ridiculous like. Yeah, you can play it, have it both ways and neither like spoils the other one. They just live together in like in harmony. I, I, and, I, and this movie, this movie is probably the, the the perfect blend of all that. And I even like um, we're talking about it now, but you know we're getting to the plot of it. You know, Howard Payne takes over this building, and even that's a fun. It's like a Bond movie, almost like you get this cold. To your point, you get this cold open of sorts. I, that, yes, it's a great, it's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, because even what is it? Uh. It's actually very much like a modern Bond movie where it's yeah. like directly related to what's going to come later. And like, yeah, I was trying to think of, yeah, it was a casino. Which one is it? It may be Casino Royale where you get, the, do you get the whole thing in the Bahamas where, not Bahamas, but in Africa where Bond is yeah. trying to get that bomb, that, uh, the bomber, the bomb maker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like that where like you just get this crazy side mission that you only get about half of the context of what's happening, but you get a whole setup for the rest of the plot of the movie. And that's kind of what, to your point, it's like what a modern Bond movie is. Uh, and I, I think this does it really, really, really well. And um, this has, I mean, this movie probably has some of the most 
and it, it, a lot of it comes from this opening scene <laughs> it's like the most iconic uh, kind yeah. of action movie lines in it uh all, all all of them coming from hopper well it's also the but the, the pop quiz hot shot the shoot the hostage yeah that's fun. stuff are very very fun and very iconic and and funny as well uh but so all right so you're Sorry, I, I I enjoy this too. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about all the pieces. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Much fun. So Hopper, Howard Payne, um, has rigged a bomb on an elevator in this office building, and he's asking for three point seven million dollars. And Jeff Daniels is a bomb is in the bomb squad and defuses bombs. Um, and it, I guess um, Keanu Reeves, Jack, is also in the bomb squad, but is more. It's not necessarily diffusing bombs as much as it's just um, support on that kind of the brawn of the operation. Uh, so they go in to try to rescue these hostages in the elevator. Um, and it's really cool. They like climb up on the roof and get this crane and like hook into the elevator to try to like stop it and save it. Um, but they're having the conversation where like, well, like, all right, pop quiz, hot shot. Like, you get a like, hostage, take someone as a human shield. And Keanu Reeves, like, shoot the hostage, um, which obviously pays off very quickly later. When... Shoot the hostage, eliminate, eliminate them from the, the equation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pays off quickly when Dennis Hopper takes Jeff Daniels hostage and Keanu Reeves shoots Jeff Daniels in the leg. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I really like that because uh, <laughs> Reeves shoots him. And he's like, you fuck. And he looks at him and goes, well, have you told me to? <laughs> yeah. Moving off his job. It's like, I, know, I just thought it was a fun touch. So, so a touch in this movie, I like, we're doing kind of viewing this as like the Die Hard lens. So in Die Hard, Hans Gruber is kind of like a gentleman thief almost. Like he's cultured and dignified and worldly, uh, but still at the end of the day, a thief. And they take, I really enjoy this. They really veer differently with Dennis Hopper, with Howard Payne. And I thought it gave a very nice, different vibe to the movie where he's actually kind of the polar opposite. Um, he's a former guy who worked on a bomb squad and for the Atlanta PD. And it seems like his gripe is he didn't get like the pension he deserved. Yeah. Well, what and, happened to him. And, and he's disabled from a, from a bomb that, Went off while he's trying to defuse. So that's yeah. why he like very specifically wants three point seven million dollars because he believes like he earned that money, and they that he should get it. And so he's in his mind, he's like not a thief. He's just after what he thinks he deserves. But he's also very much like working class. And, and, and I thought it make keeping the stakes so low they. Obviously, $3.7 million, so a lot of money. But for something like this, it's very low stakes and that. But I thought that was smart. If you made it like $40 million, it's like a weird area where it's like big, but not big enough. Whereas like $3.7 million is like a distinctly personal number. I'm just trying to make a point with this number. And it, right. It's and it, So it's like, okay, this isn't just about the money to this guy. He's not too, like there's a very specific vendetta behind this and it's very personal. Um, and I really enjoyed that for the kind of diehard on something movie. It's not the hundred 
billion dollar yeah, uh, million, uh, million six, 600, 600 million for for gruber for their or it's just like yeah or it's like oh this guy's just in it for the money it's like oh this is really personal and it just explains is like things plans go awry his behavior he gets like more unhinged and um so yeah i thought, I thought it was a nice twist in the diehard formula yeah i i, I agree i i think um he's a good foil to what maybe the to your point the sophisticated gruber um and i think um hopper kind of is 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 you know batting a thousand on on this movie i think you kind of get yeah, hopper he's when he's so still good. a really good actor you know not he was a bad actor but you know he he's really good he's delivering kind of that that wild manic energy that uh that he he's known for and um he's just kind of fun and quippy and it felt like they got just enough out of him where they're like all right we're gonna park you in front of a camera you're gonna just read some fun crazy lines for like five days and then we're gonna like cut it all together with all the action stuff that we're gonna take six months to shoot for you know for, for all the practical effects we have to do and i, I think that was he he brings a lot to this that i think again uh, i don't want i'm not trying to harp on the movie but like the oh god what is the rock movie we just watched oh man skyscraper it? skyscraper um it that lacks a real central defined villain and i think yeah. um uh, Hopper does a really good job filling that type of role here um, and playing a really fun bad guy where like there's some small touches I thought they were really fun where like uh, so you know fast forward past the opening uh, bomb sequence um, uh, you think that Howard Payne's blown himself up because he basically lets go of Jeff Daniels and he backs his way into a parking deck closes the door and then the, the wall effectively just explodes out so you, th- you think he's dead and then uh, it cuts to Jack and Harry getting medals uh, from from the guy who plays the sheriff, uh, Bo Starr, who plays the sheriff in uh, Halloween four and five. Um, <laughs> uh, just don't throw that out there. Uh, but, they're, they're, you know, they're getting medals and then you you get it's revealed that obviously Howard Payne's still alive and um, he's plotting something. And then the next morning he sets off a bomb and it blows up this other bus right in front of where Jack gets his coffee in, in Santa Monica. And I like that it when they're having a phone, he, he, he this is also a 1990s thing, but calls the nearest pay phone. Jack picks it up, and they're and they're going back and forth. And I like that. Um. Uh. Basically, Howard Payne sets up the entire premise of what the movie is: is there's a bomb on a bus. If it goes about 50 miles an hour, um, uh, it'll explode. And he's and then he's like, "What do you do?" Pop or pop shot, pop quiz, hot shot. What do you do? And Travin's like, well, at first I'd ask you what, what bus number, what number the bus is. Yeah. He goes, you think I'm going to give you that? And he goes, yes. And he goes, all right, I'm going to yeah. give you the number. No, oh, I thought that was, was like, a right, fantastic great. touch. Of moving like, on. Yeah, just moving how, on. No, how like Jack's like understands him though. Yeah. It, 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 and I think you kind of get the rules of the yeah. game immediately. You don't have to like, have this weird, complex thing. It's yeah. just, they just drop you into it. It's great. Yeah. I, I no, just it think was, it's such a fun setup for this, this whole movie. Yeah, and that kicks off where it really goes from exciting, like, it's hard to call them set pieces because they're still on the bus, but it's, well, it's like, like exciting action, set action piece pieces. action. Yeah. And technical difficulties in three, two, in sequence, one. action sequence where now he's, no. <laughs> All right, you're back. Uh, okay, we're back. Exciting right. action sequences. Yes. So we're going to where he jumps in his Jeep and is like 
speeding down the road to try to like verges onto the highway with this bus and is like driving along it, trying like trying to get them to open the door so you can get on. And um, which I thought that whole sequence was fantastic. Um, Debont talked. Lost you. Devon talked about it, and it must have been good because uh, kind of wanting a shaky cam froze again. There, you're good. All right, so you're talking about you're okay. talking about the cinematography with shaky cam and yeah. And I thought they the really threaded the, the needle nicely. Of a, it feels kinetic and fast paced movie, but you are always aware of the geography of what's happening and where. Yeah. Like where, yeah, where, where, where the characters are and where, where you are with it. And I, I like, um, I do think that the, the way it's shot is, is fun. It feels like they're on like a Panaglide system or some sort of a, a gimbal system for the camera. And to your point, you never get the, oh, I don't want to say shitty, but you don't get the early 2000s action stuff in trope where it's just this bad shaky cam where it's action and they're, and they're trying to make it feel realistic, but it's so shaky. It's, it's kind of, it literally is jarring and you, and you don't have a sense of where you are with it. But I think, I think in this, they, you, you've got a guy who's a director of photography mm. uh, directing the movie. So I think you even said it, he's giving the DP in this time to actually set up and get shots established and figured out before he's, He's pushing him into to shooting it. Yeah, he talked about how like the DP would come would be like, okay, we gotta set something in your head. Like that's gonna take two hours to do. And the studio kind of produced group would like try to push back and be like, no, we gotta do it faster. And the bomb be like, no, he's right. That takes two hours to do. And they would take the time to do it. And like you can really tell. Like it's looks looks fantastic. And the things it's they have the shots. Like they got like no, it, it it all it all comes together. I think I think really well, and I, I think um, I, I I was to your point about practical effects. Watching this, I felt kind of bad for him because everything they shoot looks like it's a golden hour <laughs> on all the bus action sequences. And I'm like, God, this must have taken forever to shoot to try and get this like perfect. Yeah, I don't know. They, I I agree. They do look that way, but they didn't have a huge budget, so they they certainly were not wasting time. Like. <laughs> Uh no, but so I don't know if they were just efficient with because because of that budget and we're like well we got to get it right like we have. <laughs> I wonder if if they thirty just minutes a lot of time shooting stuff on like maybe they just broke it up where they just did days where it was like all right we're gonna only shoot stuff that like interior shots on the bus, and we're gonna do all of our interactions with with people on that and then yeah there's like sense. a whole crew that's just dedicated to doing like B roll stuff to get all the exterior shots of of the bus and and and. and kind of the the what do you call it the um establishing shots for for how they're gonna film yeah and i guess they had like 12 or 13 buses where some for exteriors some for interiors somewhere they had to you know cut parts of it off so they could shoot certain things and um so yeah i'm sure they definitely were knocking out everything they could oh it's a shame tabont doesn't really have a great career after this i don't know why he didn't but uh, I mean, he did Twister, which was big, but it just feels like he should have not. Yeah, which was good. I wonder, though, if he did Speed 2. <laughs> and that is uh, a infamous, like, flop and disaster. And I wonder if that if that killed him a little bit. Uh, yeah, I could see that. That's the only I... thing I could think of. Um, 
he's after that. Yeah, I mean, he directs like two more movies after that. Um, the Hunting and a Tomb Raider movie, and it, it's just surprising. Like watching this, and even after Twister, it's like, man, you think this guy would be in our lives directing like action movies for like twenty years? No, he's super super competent director. It, it was one of those guys where, um, again, he was a Verhoeven guy. Uh, worked on some 80s and 90s Verhoeven stuff when he was kind of at his peak. And so I just would have expected, to your point, we would be getting, maybe, maybe again, just timing of the genre was waning and that's why he just didn't get a a great run. Or to your point, maybe he just picks, he made some bad choices with um, staying on with this property for too long and it didn't quite work, but it's too bad. But, uh, well, you know what we were talking about earlier about 1994 and things that are happening. And I'll tell you, Jack Traven has an awesome Ford Bronco, <laughs> and uh, it's weird, right? Just to see some guy in a Ford Bronco terrassing around L.A. Uh, and and causing problems, and it was just such a weird thing to see in 1994. What, 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 why? <laughs> What's weird about um, that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I think I heard that Jack Traven played for the the 1967 Buffalo Bills, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I think he was running back rookie of the year. Maybe yeah, I, I, think, I think they mentioned that in the in the script. <laughs> or was that? Am I thinking of Point Break? Is that Johnny Utah? I'm not. I'm not <laughs> so, um, no, I, I did laugh. I, I saw one piece of trivia about this that was like, this came out about two. That's not. I mean, it's not funny. It's about funny being fucking murdered. So that's not funny. But um, the OJ Simpson chase happened like a month after this or something like that because. For anybody who wasn't alive in 1994, uh, that was that was the biggest piece of news in the world was O.J. Simpson killing his ex-wife, uh, and he did it. He fucking killed her. Let's not uh, pretend like there's the, the the killers are still loose in L.A. And uh, um, then he goes on a, on a, a chase around a slow chase around uh, all the highways in L.A. with the LAPD following him. So that was such a weird. I remember watching that live. Actually, that's yeah. I can I have I have memories of that too. The weirdest memory I have related to that I is... I was in Disney World when I in, uh, uh, watched that. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember in school when they announced the verdict in the trial. Same. Like, they shut... They, like, they brought in, like, the t- a TV so we could... And, like, stopped class so we could watch the verdict of this trial. And, like, e- even then I remember, like, this feels vaguely weird that we're doing this. <laughs> but, I mean, it was a big deal. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it was. I, um... I remember me and another kid, this kid named Josh Brown. And I think it was, it was probably like sixth grade or seventh grade, maybe probably sixth grade. And uh, we snuck out of either one of our classes or it was like the end of lunch and they were going to announce the verdict. And we went into the library where a lot of the teachers were like huddled watching it on like one of those like push, push, uh, thing tv like tv stands like this push tv stands you push them in the classrooms and shit yeah they're yeah, watching yeah. they're they're watching it on like one of those and so we watched it and they're like the uh, not guilty <laughs> I remember being as a kid like <laughs> bullshit <laughs> so um but yeah it, it's just a, it, like this is such a funny weird tie-in just like right before a big piece of history happens in la um around the same time so i don't know um weird side joke that i just tried to make with uh oj simpson <laughs> So, so, so one thing with uh, where Jack is trying to get, um, trying to get on the bus, that 
I, I've always noticed this, but I had in my notes of he stops traffic to like hijack a car and goes and it's the car <laughs> that stops is was it a Jaguar? Yeah, it's a Jaguar uh, X, XK, I think, or XJ. So anyway, so yeah, uh, he he uh, Jack Traven steals this guy's car and then uses it as a as a way to. It's kind of fucked. I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> it's kind of fucks yeah. him over. <laughs> he he breaks the door off the car, and then um, manages to help him crash his car into the uh, the off ramp barriers and destroy <laughs> it. And then like that's the punchline is like that guy's life just got fucking ruined for the day. I know <laughs> that's the punchline. <laughs> So I, I hope everything worked out for that guy. Do <laughs> you think it's the guy who invented auto tune? That's like what the tune man means for his license plate. <laughs> he was just we were so far ahead in '94. Yeah, like, he's like, if only I had the technology to actually make this <laughs> this technology work. Uh, all right, so 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 Jack gets on the bus, and what is always really funny to me. So the people on the bus are watching him go through this elaborate high speed chase where he's risking his life to try to get on the bus. And once he's on this in another subtle racism or I don't mean more overt, um, this Hispanic character on the bus obviously must have a warrant out for him stands up and pulls out a gun. And is like, you're not taking me, man. It's like, you you think this guy? I I am I, curious what this guy did. If he thinks this cop went like risked his life and multiple lives on the highway just to board this bus, as opposed to just like following the bus and waiting for it to stop or something. Um, so it's always very funny to me that this this guy. Like, I I wanted the backstory on whatever this guy did, um, and it, I always laugh at Jack's line. He's like, I don't care about your crime. I'm sure you're very I'm not sorry a... for what you did. <laughs> I'm not a cop right now. We're just yeah. two dudes hanging out. <laughs> but it's yeah. all a setup because one of the other passengers like tries to jump the guy with the gun, which Ortiz fucks it up. Ortiz really yeah. fucks it up for everybody. He should have just let him go. But the gun goes off and it hits Sam, the driver. Uh, and that's why. Sandra Bullock's character Annie then has to take over as as the bus driver, which I appreciate. You had to get to that point, like you needed. It's way more fun a movie having Annie drive the bus than just the normal regular bus driver. You need somebody who's not prepared. Nobody's nobody's prepared for what's happening to him, and I think you need you need to take. If you have the person who's a professional bus driver drive you know doing it? It maybe de escalates yeah. it enough because yeah. he, he takes he's the stakes down and like, yeah. yeah. Like, even if Annie was the bus driver, that just immediately is like, okay, well, she's sort of qualified to drive this, like, to do this. Because <laughs> she like... likes to speed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think it's a fun touch. I, I don't see Sam, the bus driver, and, and Jack Trappin having a lot of chemistry. What's <laughs> <laughs> up? <laughs> <laughs> that really would be like the boring movie Debat was worried. Like, yes. What happens? Two really competent people come together and the whole thing works out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no they just, he just immediately like gets off the right exit and gets and well, because originally in the script, instead of going to the airport, they go to Dodger Stadium 
and like oh that's yes. gonna be really boring it's gonna be a bus circling a parking lot and i feel like that's that movie where it's like <laughs> the bus driver like yeah. oh we need to just let me get off at the dodger stadium exit there's no game today i'll pull right into the stadium like, i'm just gonna circle around for a like, until we figure this out and it's like <laughs> would you been more or happy or or sad if if this ends with instead of them blowing up an airplane uh, they run into Dodger Stadium, blow up Dodger Stadium. <laughs> uh, very sad. Very sad. Okay. Very sad. Yeah, I, I would think, not. I would not stand for it. <laughs> do you think this is during the regular season, or you think this is like off season? So there's no, there's low risk that uh, Ugh. the Dodgers are well, or is this during? Is this during the strike? And there's no risk whatsoever because it's because it's ninety four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, in 94, the, summer, the strike wouldn't have started yet. This would be June. I think the strike didn't start until like August something. It's August, right? I remember yeah. being at camp and uh, that was right, 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 right before I went. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, the strike started. So you think so that's a right. good question. That's a good question. Though. When does this movie take place? This is L.A. So like you can't go by the weather because that could be any time. No, it's any time if, of the year. But it, 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 it always has felt like summer to me. Yeah, well, I don't know. Jack Jack opens up with him wearing like a couple layers. It looks like it might be cold. It maybe it's <laughs> maybe in the high fifties. I don't know. <laughs> so could be uh, spring. Uh, it, could, it could be okay. Okay, could, I'm by, I'm in for spring. So I don't know, but I I'm glad I'm glad for you. I I, I was worried about you when you when I I read that that they may almost said at Dodger Stadium. I was was worried that uh they may have blown up the stadium at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so break my heart. I feel like we have to tie in sports. I have to tie in weird, ab- abstract sports stuff on everyone yeah. <laughs> we've done. We, we've we've done it on most of them so far. So I want to. I think so. Up. I think so. So we can do it. I believe in us. Well, let's talk about all right. Some about the bus. So you and I both had this this note of um, Howard Payne has rigged the bus. Um, he gets in touch with Jack after Jack steals the Toon Man's cell phone, uh, and they, and they basically patch him in. It, that's kind of a fun thing. Is like this is pre cell phones being a super established thing in the world, and so you, they can kind of just do whatever they want with it. And it's not like implausible and never feels feels weird. But um, Jack talks to him, t- talks to Payne. They they set the rules up that nobody can get on or off the bus uh, except. They're going to let um, Sam, the bus driver, off because he's been shot. And uh, as they're passing him over, uh, the the SWAT guys are trying to get this lady who seems real Southern and real nervous, Helen, <laughs> uh, to to just go ahead and jump off the bus, even though, you know, there's TV, there's TV cameras now covering this this bus uh, bus chase. And I think we both had an issue with this. Um, uh, Howard Payne sees it on TV and he detonates not the entire bomb. But like a tiny bomb that's based on <laughs> yeah. just the stairwell of the or of like the the walkway of getting on and off yeah. the bus. So I, I always thought that was funny, not funny. But, but he um, anticipated this event, this potential eventuality this exact event where like, this is going to happen, and yeah. he has to he has to intervene on it. So yeah, <laughs> and they assume he can see it because of the news helicopters. Yes, above. which is a big plot point later on. And that, and that we'll later learn he has a a, a, a camera. On the bus itself, where you can see that wildcat driving the <laughs> wildcat. Do you think you could make this movie in 2023 with with the way cell phones are today? So I think it is almost 
more plausible today because so much of it is about Howard monitoring the police at the beginning where he hears their conversation and then he's viewing the bus. Now, I think in today's, you'd much quicker jump to the idea that he could be monitoring. No, that's fair. Or something just because we would all be aware of. Um, but I do think it would be interesting. And I, I, I don't want them to like remake this or anything, but I do think it'd be interesting <laughs> with today's technology. Like everyone would have, everyone on the bus would have a cell phone. Like the driver, I'm sure would. So would you, would Jack first finds out about the bomb? Would he be trying to call the driver or? That's a good point. Also, good even point. for the time, didn't like, wouldn't a bus have like a radio to like dispatch or something? Yeah, you know what? They never really do anything with that, do they? That's a good point. That, that I, mean, I don't, I don't know for radio. sure. Maybe not. Maybe not. Like, no, I don't know should, how ubiquitous that was. I don't know. Nineteen ninety four. It feels like not having a radio. That that feels like. Um, I think about the taking of Pelham uh, one two three in nineteen seventy four, which is twenty years earlier than this, and they've got radios and they're communicating with the train. So they've got to have buses. <laughs> got to be maybe a fax machine. I don't know. <laughs> I would love that. The, the fax comes through. Hold on, I gotta write bus. this out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta write this out and send this shit. <laughs> Telegraph. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so it, I, I think cell phones are kind of a fun, it's an interesting inflection point for cell phones at this because it's like well, right before cell phones become huge for everybody. It's Right. It's also, it's a funny that the premise, um, unlike so many action movies of this era, cell phones and the internet don't immediately destroy the premise. <laughs> You're right. And I think that's to your point. That's one of the things that actually is the strength of this movie and why, why it still would work today is, is. In a, in a strange it, sense, it complement it could complement the way the the movie's structured. Right. If the bus can't go under fifty, the bus can't go under fifty. It doesn't help. Yeah. Like communication doesn't help that situation. Like, yeah, it's. So I I I I, I kind of agree with you. I, I you're right. I don't I don't want a remake of this. I don't. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. <laughs> like it's it's perfect. The modern equivalent of this would be like somebody rents in a fucking Uber XL. There's a bomb on it or something like that. Like that's the the premise. Wow, that sounds really bad. <laughs> it does. It sounds like the movie Stupor, which I was also really bad. So, <laughs> um, so don't remake this. But but I, I I do I do think it's interesting how this this uh, sort of it's one of the few action movies that might be able to kind of transcend time with uh and, and yeah. technology without without really being super detrimental to uh to the movie. Okay. So we're uh. We go through some sequences here where the bus gets off the highway, crashes into a bunch of cars and things, and like, but in the commentary, Debon like admitted he's like, yeah, it was hard filming this because as soon as the bus hits a car, like it just stops, like that's what happens, <laughs> like so. It's, it was pretty hard to like film this and like keep that sense of speed going after it's hitting all these things because it's like that's like definitely not what would happen, like. Uh, fair i uh he's, he's not wrong i mean and that's that's kind of that's kind of to me the fun part though is sandra yeah, bullock's just just... Always... good no no you go 
No, I, I was just agreeing with you that I think yeah. it's fun. It's fun I that Sandra Bullock just destroys um, a lot of a lot of the cars in L.A. There's kind of a weird dark setup of of um, the homeless person pushing the cans across across the street yeah. in a stroller, and uh, at one point she thinks she's killed a kid, which is pretty actually pretty dark. Yeah, um, which that's one of those when you're talking about some of the humor. You're like, it's a little cheesy. Like, that's a moment where I'm like, ha, huh, I wonder if I was seeing this for the first time today. If you think that's funny, I would if not. I, <laughs> you, I no, would no, not. not that I think it was funny. That I think it was like a little like over the top dramatic, a little melodramatic yeah. for cons. the situation of like, it's just like, okay, cons. Like, we had to like make her think she killed a. Ch- yeah. Sandra Bullock killed. That's what America wants. America wants America's sweetheart. To have potentially killed a child via a bus accident Baby for a minute, like yeah, it's a bit much. But uh, but no, it still works for me. No, it's stuck out in my. No, it's same for me too. Yeah. It, it, it does. It does. It works out for me too. I. I it's just. I. I don't. As an adult now, I'm like, this isn't fun. <laughs> like I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, it's too dark for me. So um, something changes when you have kids. Yeah, you know, it's, you yeah. it's like. Uh... You know, yeah. killing kids is a kind of hits a little different for me now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, but I, 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 again, all of all of the, all the stuff is fun with setting up Sandra Bullock is kind of like, I like how they built her character. Is she's sort of a reluctant hero at first, and they set her up to be, um, obviously not ready for what she's doing, but she steps into the breach and 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 she starts driving the bus and keeps him above fifty when Sam gets shot. And then she just can kind of continues to just keep stepping up and, and, and sort of becomes the kind of like the den mom for, for the whole bus <laughs> uh, when Jack gets off the, the bus to try and try and defuse the bomb. And uh, I don't know, man, like I, I think she, she just does a great job in selling that she's afraid, but she's capable of, of stepping up for it. I think that it works yeah. keep making her the female lead. That's a great point. That's, a hard line to walk where she could be shrill and unbelievable that she can pull this off or could seem too capable. And she really finds the middle ground of feeling capable, but feeling really scared. Yeah. Which is a lot like life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, breaking news, Sandra Bullock, uh, good actress. <laughs> breaking news, Sandra Bullock, gorgeous. <laughs> You're a fan. <laughs> Oh, I, I think I think um I mean again I was listening to a podcast today about about her being in the net and it's it, the whole premise they talk about is how the movie basically sucks barring everything she's doing to just move it forward and make yeah. it a good movie. And uh I think in this you can see she has a lot of talented people around her and talented people behind the camera, and you just get her kind of in a in a very um good stage in her career. You can see what she's capable of. And I think um, I mean, she's she's beautiful I, and, and she's so talented. It's just there was I don't feel like at least in my memory, I don't remember an actress being is. I guess I'll use the word interesting as she was at this point, like like she's sort of the next generation of, of actor coming along. But then at the same time. She has kind of a genuineness about her that that you don't really get with a lot of people. So I, I think that's what she kind of brings to this role that 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 makes it interesting and fun and then she actually has like a legitimate chemistry with with Keanu Reeves um and I think that it, it, I'm glad they don't I'm glad it's her and and, and you and, you know you kind of get to see her at this launch point in her career 
yeah, it's a fun time at her at her career where she's about like becoming a big star. Um, yeah, it's always well, fun to see someone at that at that it, moment. That's what I remember about this movie is it, it felt like it was. Um, I talked about it last week with um, uh, Pastor Fifty Seven. Felt like it was like the announcement that that Snipes is like the like the next generation of action guy. And I kind of think this is feels like the same thing for Sandra Bullock is like, okay, you have this, you know, serious actress that's coming along that this is like the first kind of big movie she's really in. And if you, if you just watch this movie, you, you know, whatever they're going to do next is going to be a really important, well, really big. It's not, not the first big movie she's in. Demolition man was the year before this. Yeah. God damn oh, right. It was God. I forgot. I, I, she plays such a dumb fucking character in that. I, I that doesn't count. That doesn't qualify for. Her. No, I d- disagree. <laughs> she um, is great in that. I mean, I, she, I, she is fun in it. I don't. Oh, man, I feel bad now. I feel like I can't believe. I was like, I kept thinking. I always think that Demolition Man is like mid nineties, not early nineties. <laughs> but uh, but no, to talking about her career. So after the year after this. Uh, is while you were sleeping in the net, where she's kind of the headliner, the lead, um, and two very different types of movies. So it's like, yeah, like she's now the headlining movies and being the big, the big draw of it. So it's yeah, it's fun that you see when you see that person kind of hit that moment where they crush a, they crush a role like this, and that like launches them into. I don't know, their well, career basically. I, I forgot too. She was in the vanishing the year before this comes out. And I, I know um uh, I'm sure lots of people listen to this. <laughs> lots more people listen to this than ours, but uh um Bill Simmons did it a couple of weeks ago, uh The Vanishing, which is a remake of it. I think it was a Dutch movie. Um she's the not main character, but she's the kind of the uh, 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 abductee that that gets kidnapped in that. And um She's really good in that too, and so yeah, she's man, she's been in a ton of stuff that I just completely forgot. Time to Kill comes out, you know, two years after this. Um, I'm not a fan of it, but Practical Magic uh, came out <laughs> uh, four years after this, and then uh, I actually spent the year, the Super Bowl Sunday of the year 2000, going to see Miss Congeniality. Yeah, <laughs> with uh, my girlfriend at the time and and her mom. That's what I spent. That's what I was doing almost 23 years ago. <laughs> was going to see that. So, but no, she, I, I, I just, it, it's, this is such a fun movie to see because she, she launches into such a good career after this. And it's, um, it's, it's fun to, to watch somebody who's obviously very talented, um, kind of getting their start. And, and it, it's weird. I remember at the time, this movie, you just kind of knew, okay, th- she's going to be a big deal. Yeah, it's like kind of those things. Like, okay, keep like keep giving this person more. They, all right, yeah. they 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 did they crushed that. They crushed that. It's like, okay, we're giving her like everything to do here, and she's like destroying it. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's fun. I, I do have to criticize her for doing Speed Two Cruise Control. <laughs> it's a really bad movie. Uh, it's a pity. <laughs> Which it has good. Man, good I haven't actors. seen that in forever either. I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen it in probably that. I did go see that in theaters, and I was. Ooh. <laughs> I was what? Damn, I was... Um, that's was that an HBO 14? one for me. <laughs> okay. I went. My mom took me to go see that in theaters, and then we were both like, <laughs> it's not good. Not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have been 14. Yeah. yeah. 
Around, around the time you start realizing that movies can be bad and sometimes they can be really yes, bad. Especially when they're Speed 2. <laughs> especially when they're Speed 2 Cruise Patrol. But fortunately, uh, she and Keanu would team up again for the, the lake oh, house. The lake house. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Yeah. A semi-time-traveling movie. <laughs> okay. So we're up to, I think we're kind of up to the big stunt here. Are we, are we doing talk about the lake house? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it's a shame. I, I, I will say, Sorry, one sidebar. Um, I did go. Long story short, I was in I was in South Korea in 2006, and um, I think that had ju- that and The Departed had just come out in <laughs> Korea, and so when I was going through the the subways in Seoul, um, every movie placard was either The Lake House or it was The Departed. <laughs> that was all it was. It's such a weird, mm. weird intersection of American and Asian culture. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> I've not seen it departed though. I've only seen the like else. Many times. Many times. So anyway, sorry. Nah, it's quite all right. <laughs> nah, so we're up to where it's the, the the big stunt, and they've slowly been pushing the audience's like ability to believe ridiculous things. And they really go on. Uh, how far? How far can we push that? <laughs> because they get them on to this stretch of highway that's under construction, so there's no other cars, and they think, "Oh, we'll just be able to cruise here." And then they get the call. <laughs> One of the bridges is not finished. There's a gap in the highway. Which Joe Morton has one of the best lines in this when he finds out. He just looks at everybody and goes, "Everybody's fucking fired." Yeah, <laughs> I just like. Such a good line. And which is just phenomenal that this massive 30 foot bus, and I think they say it's a 50 foot gap. It's at least they say 50 feet at least. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna rev up enough speed where they can make that jump. In fairness. Which, it's the first of two times where speeding up actually pays off to just <laughs> make something work. So initially, I in my notes, I was like, "This is ridiculous. Uh, this obviously is impossible." It's I, like, and I, but that's fine. It's a movie. And then as I was like thinking about it, I was like, "Okay, the bus is thirty feet long. I think as long as the back tires are in contact, if if they're." providing momentum i don't i don't think it's immediately gonna go down and so then you're really talking you're 30 feet across still with momentum going oh so you only really need to get 20 feet and 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 i i I was talking myself into it (laughs) and then in the commentary debat said i don't know how far it really jumped but he said that they really did jump the bus because they wanted to get the footage of the bus jumping and they had a camera. Oh, and they and they get it too. Camera was all set up, and he said the bus jumped further than they thought it would, and they only <laughs> caught it with like one camera that was set like the furthest back. And so I don't know, I don't know. I'm kind of coming around on maybe maybe it could be done. <laughs> well, I kind of feel like they they give Keanu some lines to sort of make it work, where he said. 
maybe it's on but, a a uh, off ramp, and so there's an incline or something. So they kind of teed up like, like oh, okay. a lot of times it's like an incline going into those, or like yeah, yeah. So like or like you can fit some fit, air. <laughs> physically, he kind of they try and give you enough to work with to believe it. And it's not like it's going 200 feet and it's going you know straight up or it's it's not like watching somebody's <laughs> toddler ramp a hot wheels car or something like that right <laughs> yeah so so i mean i, I kind of buy it i think you said they didn't they use cg in this shot to try and erase a part of the 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 road to make it look like it was maybe more of a um uh what do you call it more of like an like a like a shorter jump or longer jump than it actually was. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I had anything. Okay. I think that was one of the few scenes they actually use CGI to try and make the, make the bus jump look maybe a little more harrowing than it actually was. But okay. To your point again, how many movies today are going to take a practical stunt and actually jump a fucking passenger bus? So it's, it's great. And so when it like lands, and so that's one of the things like, uh, Devon was talking about of like the advantage of doing like the practical stuff and really doing it. It was talking about like things like the like dust and debris, and like yeah, you can do that with the CG, but the human eye is that you just pick up on it being like a little too either perfect or produced, or whereas when you really do it, just things happen that just register in your brain and that's real. Yeah, and I think I think I, I think this, this is, is this is one, one of those stunts where you're like, yeah, yeah like uh, as much as I want to say it's impossible to kind of make fun of like ridiculous movie stuff, like I don't know, my brain's talking me into it. <laughs> it, it 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 works for me. I um I I really like that 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 stuff, and I think um all the practical effects and stunts in this to me really help build a world that that that. They've thought this. I don't know. It's it just man, practical effects movies, just action movies, just work so much better to me than, yeah, than CGI. It's just, um, uh, yeah, I think it's more fun, like more. Or I'd rather see like going like that Avatar route where it's like all CG, and you're going like really crazy with it, um, and pushing what that's capable of, not just. I'm going to show you like a stunt you've seen be done practically before, but we're just going to do it CG. So what you're telling me is you want to see the Navi driving a bus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, for a while when Disney was really like ramping up production on like Star Wars movies, I, I was like, you know what? If they're going to do this many, I want them, and they kind of did this a little bit with Andor. I was like, I want them to make just like make movies in the Star Wars universe that aren't about like that aren't like aren't the Force and Jedi and stuff. It's just like it's just like a rom com in the Star Wars universe, (laughs) like Like slice of life, uh, like uh, just like explore all genres. And so, yes, I would love to see like this, like the Navi version of Speed. Do you want to see the office uh, as as shot on uh, or Parks yes. and Rec as shot on the Death Star? Exactly. <laughs> That's actually a really good idea, honestly. I kind of, I, I will say, one of and my favorite. I, I'd be pretty shocked if there's not something out there like that already. Well, one of my favorite um, SNL skit, like modern SNL skits, was when Adam Driver did uh, Kylo Ren 
uh, doing Undercover Boss on SNL. <laughs> it, have you seen it? I I I feel maybe, but I, I don't remember it. I, I I will say if you haven't if you haven't or seen haven't seen it in a long time, rewatch it. It, it is it is one of the the funniest skits they've done in a long time. Where it, it it's like it's got the force in it and all that, but it's like okay, it's just funny because it does feel like they've they did a good job like making it like a lived-in world even for a skit for for saturday night live but yeah i agree i'd like to see that too i'd like to see um what does it feel like being a farmer on tatooine it sounds like it'd probably be a pretty shitty job actually (laughs) yeah but but i want as little acknowledgement as possible that this is star wars (laughs) and just like (laughs) i wish they would um, do that i wish they would they would do movies like that where they they just release a trailer and tell you that it's going to be a Star Wars movie or it's going to be a Star Trek movie or an X-Men movie and they don't tell you anything about it and they just it's a big enough name uh, or yeah. a Bond movie just it's a big enough name to draw you in and like give you and nothing yeah, yeah and, and they just drop it or I'd like to see someone try it and just yes. see like what happens if like you can if the tease is big is enough to get people hyped up uh, yeah become or, watcher or like um, um, that they drop you into it and they don't tell you it's one of those movies until after the fact. And then that's word of mouth that, oh, shit, a Star Wars movie actually dropped and nobody actually nobody really. Understood oh, that'd be was. pretty fun. Yeah. Or yeah. something like that. So, they, oh, you know, that movie that came out, that's actually a Star Wars movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that, that, I think that would be cool. And I, I think um, um, to your point, uh like if if a show just dropped well indoor right indoor just drops it doesn't tell you anything about Star Wars it's just it's indoor. Yes, <laughs> yes, delightful, delightful. Okay, so after this, they uh, we're basically getting <laughs> to the airport now, <laughs> which is fun. It's fun to see. Yeah. Um, sorry, on that point, uh, Joe Morton really applauds Jack for for thinking of it. They're like, "Why is he going to the airport? There's all these people there," and he's like, "Well, because they can't have uh, flyovers from." from news choppers. So it's a, it's a yeah. really kind of fun touch that Joe Morton celebrating how smart Jack is. Uh, I, I, I don't think I said it before, but I, one thing I really liked about this, everybody's kind of competent in their jobs. Like it sounds weird mm. to say this, but, but, but Howard Payne is competent as the terrorist. He seems like he's actually thought his, his, his plan through Jack and Harry are, are pretty competent cops. Obviously Harry gets outsmarted, but you know, really smart cops all the way through. It's fun having, competent people i think that was the strength of Die Hard too was you have yeah. a competent bad guy and all terrorist and hans gruber you have a competent bad uh, good guy and and mclean and al powell and then they actually use those guys as foils to the the incompetent people like uh uh a deputy oh god what is his name deputy of, of police Dwayne robinson uh the guy <laughs> plays the guy who plays the uh the the guy from um uh, fuck, what is it? A Breakfast Club. The guy so, from yeah. Breakfast Club. Yeah, like, like it, it's fun. It's, it's. It, I like movies like this where it's like all of the good guys and bad guys are competent and and they're intelligent and they have agency in what they're doing and it never feels like it never feels like the audience is ahead of what's going on. I agree. I know everyone's making intelligent. Yeah. choices in the moment and like whether their plan is foiled or doesn't work out it's because someone else also made an intelligent choice 
exactly was able to was able to figure out yeah yeah it's 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 puts you as the audience member in a place where you're connecting the dots at the right moment of the movie where like it's so it's very satisfying of like oh that's smart and like you get what they're doing and like i see what the plan was and i see what they're doing to combat it and like you're putting the same dots together and I, I always find that satisfying. It just kind of makes you feel like, oh, I'm smart with these characters because I get what's going on. <laughs> but you're not. Secretly, you're not, Michael. I know. Very you dare, you dare <laughs> insist you're as smart as Jack Trappin. <laughs> uh, I am not as good as Jack Trappin is at stepping off a bus onto the running board of an SUV. <laughs> Again, physicality of, of Reeves, man. He sells it. Keanu Reeves looks fucking badass doing that. Yeah. He looks he looks comfortable doing it with like without like a it's not he's not scared. He, he just looks like it's a very normal thing for him to do. Yeah, he's just nonchalant, like strolling the park as like holy shit, this guy is awesome. Well, I mean, again, it pays off, you know, Jesus, you know, 25, 30 years later when he's playing John Wick. He feels yeah. he feels like he can he can be that character and he feels like he's again he's capable of, of that role and, and absorbing the physicality of that too. Baba Yego. <laughs> or Baba Yega. Which which I've actually as long as it is, I'm actually hearing pretty good things on, on the new John Wick. On John Wick four? Yeah. I, I hope so. I, I like Keanu Reeves and I, I I didn't enjoy the new Matrix. Uh, but I I look forward to I hope they conclude the John Wick stuff because he is getting a little too old to maybe do yeah those you, movies you want to maybe end it where he's still at like can still do the kind of peak of yeah like like yeah. like uh, Craig going out as Bond I didn't like the ending necessarily but I was like okay you're asking a guy who, who's in his mid to late fifties to do a crazy role action focused role. Yeah. <laughs> let him go out on top and let him, let him, let him, you know, be at his peak. And then, and then you can end it on that rather than, you know, the, um, I don't want I don't, I don't like, I'll put it this way. The new Tom Cruise, uh, action <laughs> or what do you call it? Mission impossible is coming out this summer. It's uh, dead reckoning part one. I'm excited to see it because I think the stunts are going to be really cool, and I actually really enjoy the the newer um, Macquarie directed Mission yeah, Impossible's. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to see Tom Cruise at like 65. <laughs> I'm like, I, I like, let's get him out of it. I, I don't want to see his character die. I don't think you need to like yeah, conclude it. But it's go like, on a high night. Like we don't. Like, as much as I do love the movie, like we don't need like a view to a kill. <laughs> No, yeah, like I don't. Where I don't. The guy just s- feels ancient. Yeah, like like you're actually having to hire other people to make the, the act, main actor seem age appropriate <laughs> because he is so fucking old. Like I don't, I don't want that. And which it's crazy thing. All right, so think about that for a second. I think Roger Moore was 57 when he did A View to a Kill, and <laughs> Tom Cruise. Yeah, will be it's wild. 61 or 62 when he does. Uh, the next Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part Two, and it's like he looks ten times conservatively ten yeah. times better than Roger Moore did. Crazy! It's absolutely crazy. But well, I was watching Columbo with uh, uh with my wife and uh stepdaughter. And whose uh, choice? Whose choice? 
Uh, so, so, so no judgment. Right. I'm just curious. I'm, I'm no, just so I started curious. watching in the start of 2021 when I had COVID. Um, it's one of the things I started watching. So off and on, I, I've watched it. And I happened <laughs> to have an episode on while the two of them, this was probably a few months ago, while two of them were like around and they both got into it. And so since then, um, they've probably gotten more into it than I am even. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm always up for up for uh, watching an episode of, but anyway, I think it might have been like Janet Lee. Um, it was kind of an old Hollywood actress was the main like guest star on it, and um, we like, looked it up, and she was 48 when she filmed it, and she looked like 65. And he's like, "Man, people yeah. fucking age, people aged hard." <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, there was no plastic surgery. There was no modern diets you know it's it's just yeah you're, you're people great. like just went out in the sun for yeah. and got tan and like just yeah it's like yeah, man aging was rough no you're you're yeah i mean i i think i my wife and i laugh about it like she had a family member who used iodine and they used to go tanning when they were in the like their, their 20s because we like, go oh, yeah it helped you get more tan and it's like yeah it sounds like a horrible thing for your yeah. body but uh no you're you're right like uh i i i i hope that that john wick they can let reeves go out on like a kind of a graceful note with with the whole physicality of the role and anyway so that was a yeah. huge tangent yeah that's yeah. right <laughs> we don't, we don't do la- that, the, that much <laughs> the last time i no, we don't not at all last time i did see colombo was uh i was in palm springs for new year's for jay's birthday <laughs> nice and uh i got to the house and Vasant, uh, jay's brother is watching He's like on his own by himself, like on the other side of the pool, but away from everybody else. He's just drinking and watching episodes of Columbo. <laughs> that sounds delightful. And he's having a great time by himself. Yeah, and I think I the, bet. Last, the last day we left, like he was watching Columbo, like by himself again. <laughs> it was like, all right. <laughs> Ooh, hey, you, I might have to you, text him. <laughs> you do you, buddy. About Columbo. Uh... <laughs> right, he so was super into it. So I think we got one more kind of bus related action sequence here where uh jack goes under the bus to try to disarm the bomb but while everything's moving so they they put him on like i don't even know what you call him like the thing you if you're like a mechanic you'd use to like go on your back and like roll under a car yeah he's on one of those like tethered to this truck and they release it and like kind of winch him underneath the bus where he's going to try to get a look on the bomb. And he's like, um, what is he talking to Harry on? No, Harry's dead at this point. So he's talking to, is um, he? okay. So he's, he's talking, talking to, to uh, Mac. Lieutenant Mac okay. McMac. And, uh, <laughs> and looking at, but of course, like things go wrong, uh, where like the bus, like hits something on the road and it has to swerve. And then he's like, he's like trapped under there and trying to hang on and they takes a screwdriver it hits the gas tank so now it's losing gas and um i thought it was nice a nice touch is the way they get to save him is the people on the bus pull up this like emergency hatch in the bus and are able to like reach under and pull him up and it's nice of the bonding of those characters has gone that far where they're now willing to risk something to save him after he's been kind of risking his life to try to save them 
Uh, it's a nice, a nice moment for the characters. I thought uh, nice payoff for their relationship. Well, I mean, that's what's fun about the Drac Traven character is up to this point they've they've built him up pretty well as as um when he get, he's getting off the bus the first time before that scene starts and he looks at him and says don't forget about us and and he kind of looks back and it's like you, you kind of get the sense that he's sort of the de facto leader of everybody and they believe that he genu- genuinely is there to to get them out of the situation so that's kind of a payoff of of all that build up and i think it's it's a it is a fun scene um it is a good way to, as a MacGuffin, have him uh, use his screwdriver to punch a yeah. hole in the gas tank. And, I was uh, thinking that a little reverse engineer. It, it works, it, but it works though with the gas tank. But yeah, yeah, no, it does. It does. It does. Yeah. Well, so that that builds toward um, uh, after he realizes that Harry's been killed because um, uh, Payne calls him and. And lets him know that that he that Harry gets blown up in his own house. Um, uh, he finds out that Payne's been using the security camera for the bus as a way. To, he's hacked into that. And he's basically using that feed as a way to um, to monitor everything that Jack's doing. And um, I don't know that like that. That's a that's a kind of a, a fun touch. That's where they get back to the whole uh wildcat thing for the Arizona Wildcats because Sandra Bullock's character Annie's wearing uh a Wildcats um uh what do you call it uh hoodie and um I don't know I, I just I really I really like this this setup of Jack after he figures out how to rig the whole thing they they remote in and they basically cut out the feed so that Payne seeing this splice footage together doesn't know what's going on. And then they get all the passengers off and Jack rigs the bus to effectively, which I would actually, I'm, I'm going to argue maybe the most dangerous thing that they do in the entire movie yeah. when they do this <laughs> for the escape. The but, bus um, is like loaded with C4. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Jack rigs it so that they get everybody off and then he and he can basically escape because it's running out of fuel and they're, you know, they're, they're running on basically uh the rims of their of the, of the wheels because the tires have got blown out when they went into LAX. And so Jack uh, rigs this thing where they let themselves go and he and Annie slide away, which is kind of a fun scene. And, and of course uh, they make it to safety, but God damn, man, we're in LAX. And this bus is just careening all over the place. <laughs> it's just yeah. They had zero plan for what to do with this. No, bus. it was like, <laughs> they should have just put like a, another bomb on the bus and detonated that as the LAPD. Like as soon as they're off of it, just detonated it so that they're yeah they're free and clear. <laughs> yeah. But no, what does it do? It hits a Pacific courier, uh, <laughs> 747 that's taxiing around LAX. And where did we see Pacific courier before? <laughs> do you know? Oh, I forget. I know you had it in your notes. Yeah. It's the same truck that's carrying all the terrorists and die hard into the bottom of the Nakatomi Plaza. Nice. <laughs> so I, there's a couple of things where I think um, uh, DeBont actually kind of has a fun tie-in with with uh, Die Hard. That was one of them. And then when Jack and Harry are trying to get onto the elevator to to uh, free the hostages at the beginning of the movie, it takes place and they're trying to break in on the 32nd floor. And the 32nd floor is where McLean actually escapes to that's under construction in the first scene after the terrorist takeover. So I, I think... I'd like to, th- or at least I'd like to think, 
DeBont's having a lot of fun tying in a lot of stuff from Die Hard into this movie. You know, it's six years on, but I think he's having some fun with with tying in yeah. some stuff that's that's a I think so. Yeah, a, a fun a, a fun nod to Die Hard. Yeah, especially being this movie is kind of inspired by Die Hard, certainly. Kinda or ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> so that All that right. sets that sets us up for. Uh, a fun reveal that that Howard Payne does not realize the bomb has actually gone off. And what does he do? He wants his money. Yeah. yeah. So he disguises himself as a cop. And of course, the dipshit deputy from Friday the 13th, part five, uh, when they they go downtown, it's a Pershing (laughs) Pershing Square to drop the money. Uh, He said, there's no way we're going to actually, he'll actually be able to get the money because it's in this trash can where the drop point is. And of course it can't, nothing can happen without anybody seeing it. And so what does Jack Trappin do? He tells them to turn on the tracker. Sure enough, the money's moving. And it <laughs> turns out that uh, uh, Howard Payne has cut a hole in the concrete underneath. A, this a massive hole. <laughs> giant hole. Looks like a, looks like a, looks like somebody took a jackhammer and was going to town on that thing for like two days before, <laughs> yeah. before they put the trash yeah. can back over it. Which I, I enjoy though, because you see so many movies where there's like that same scene of like the drop of the yeah. stuff, and it's like, um, and it's like, oh, it's that's like a, a fun thing. It also feels extremely easily thwarted for your plan. Like, oh, the yeah, guy walking yeah. up to it, be like, oh, something looks funny under there. It's like, oh, there's a giant hole. Well, I guess we know what his plan is. It was one of those things where you definitely like, well, why didn't they just have the tracker on the whole time? Like, is it just in case? Like, probably should have just always had the tracker on. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that leads Jack uh, to jump into the into the uh, subway and or well into a into a tunnel underneath uh, Pershing Square, and, and it's revealed that he's actually abducted Annie and rigged her with a bomb, like a explosive vest. And then he holds her hostage and uh, Payne's dressed as a cop. And then he pulls out a submachine gun and then uses that to basically blast his way into getting on a train and where he, he, he takes over the train, kills the conductor. And then of course, Jack has to run down the train and catch up to it and uh, try and save Annie. So, so one thing I made, I, I thought was funny and, and incredibly reckless. And so Jack's chasing after them and th- they go he has to so he gets to a locked door and the locked door is going into like the la like subway and to get through the locked door he just starts firing at the lock but it then cuts to on the other side of the door are just people like walking through the subway station that these bullets are passing through the door it's a goddamn miracle he didn't shoot like three people while he was doing this and I was just something I'd never noticed of like the insane recklessness of like firing at this door and it's such a movie trope um, to like shoot the lock on the door. Uh, it's just funny to see like, oh, yeah, that's incredibly dangerous because you can't see what's on the other side of the door and you're just blindly firing a gun through it. But did it work uh, out? But did it work out? It it, it did. <laughs> it did. So no, uh, he may have shot a couple host- or a couple civilians in the hip, but you know what? <laughs> that door was not going to open itself. So no, I I, I agree. It, look, I, that that's one of those things where at that point I'm like, no, I'll, susp- it, I'll suspend my disbelief and just it's let such him. an action movie trope. If you're going to start like nitpicking that stuff, like 
you just can't have action movies then. <laughs> like, no, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. I um uh I don't I I love this whole sequence. I think it's so fun. Um it's fun to me, especially mm. because we talked about earlier, everybody's supposed to be competent in their in their roles as LAPD or SWAT or um Annie being the bus driver or the people on the bus. And then what's funny is um Payne gets his money. In a, in a bag and then he immediately shows how foolish he's been because he didn't think about the most basic thing of the of the the die pack on and the money going off yeah. so as soon as he gets on the on the on the train and, and and handcuffs annie to the the bar um he just opens the money boom die pack purple die pack goes off in his face and he's i think it's it's fun because he realizes and you see it on on hopper's face how dumb he's been to just not anticipate something as, as simple and, and obvious as that. So I, I really like that touch. It was a kind of a fun surprise. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. That was good. And it's, there's, you could see like, there's a lot going through his mind of in how, that moment. How stupid he's been about the uh, and then, But also like, I still get to try to like get out of this with what I can. And <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of dark though. Cause he's talking to Annie. He's like, Hey, and this goes off, you're not going to feel anything. And it's like, oh, great. Yeah, he's like, don't worry. You won't feel anything. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know if that's, you really covered all her concerns in the moment. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. Probably the, the explosive parts, the part that she's most worried about. Yeah. But yeah. Now, I I did have, so, the, all right, so it, it, it goes to um, Jack and Howard have a fight on top of the subway train. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did have some issues. It, from what we've seen in the movie, it seems like Jack would physically overmatch Howard, like almost instantly. <laughs> like he is a retiree age, like former cop who lost part of his hands in an explosion. And Jack is like this super built in shape, like, like 27 year old. Like, yeah, <laughs> like super pro- athletic <laughs> prime guy. Like, it's like, I don't know, but. Yeah, so they're wrestling on top. So it's a fair and, fight. But I guess I guess the one thing is uh Howard has He's got the bomb. He's got the the the, the um the bomb detonator detonator in his hand. If you yeah. drop it, the bomb explodes kind of thing. So like you still it's so like it, I, I will admit Jack's gonna be like careful. Certainly. It's not just like a free for all kind of thing. But I don't like this really strange credulity, and I don't know it's fully by it. Um, but while they're fighting, uh, Howard gets on top of him, and Jack pin, like positions him up. So as they're like zooming by, one like a white hang down from the ceiling just completely decapitates Howard. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and, hey, it's brutal looking too. It's and bad. Well, I guess Devon said. They had an awesome Dennis Hopper fake head made, <laughs> and they shot that scene with that. And he said they had to cut that out; it was like just too graphic. <laughs> that they showed like a real close up of that head getting knocked off. And he said it was like way too much, and they couldn't put it in the movie. You think so? That's yeah, that's what it, I'm trying. That's I'm, what I'm actually, I'm actually looking for. Um... Uh, uh, outtakes of that, and try, I'm trying to find it on the if internet. There's anything, if there's anything that, yeah, like, no, not yet. It's frustrating. I was, I was really hoping to, uh, I would love to find the original of that, but actually, uh, but that's a scene that really stuck out to like 
what like 12 year old me or 11 year old me uh whenever i would have first seen this of probably the first time i potentially well i don't know maybe not but one of the first times i would have seen someone decapitated in a movie (laughs) um same I think you said so. This is this has got a rear projection screen as part of part of the sort of rooftop of the of the train. Yeah. Stuff, so the right? said they one of the things he regret, regretted is a lot of like that rooftop stuff, all the subway stuff. They had they shot at a studio and with rear projection and stuff that it just it wasn't a safe way to to. It do still this. looks good to me, even with rear projections. It's it's not <laughs> yeah not nearly solid. as bad as it is is what I've I've seen with some CGI stuff. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's solid. Yeah. Um, and so Howard Payne turns out he's a shorter man than Jack Traven, and he <laughs> got his fucking head knocked off. <laughs> so I do like this though that the, the the conclusion of this is uh, Jack can't get Annie out of the train, so his his decision is well, let's just speed it up. <laughs> so yeah, as nice. <laughs> try and jump the train off the tracks to to um, effectively stop the stop the um the as opposed to just like crashing directly into a wall at the end let's try to jump it on a turn and maybe yeah it gives us a better chance to survive like out of here i don't know i feel like his, his logic is probably not that solid in this move yeah like, it seems it's, like it's gonna probably flawed, bad. maybe but yeah. yeah yeah i don't know so um, so it's I funny think... the the train car like shoots out onto like a streets of la and I think it's right by what, like the, the Chinese theater or whatever there. Yeah, Man's uh, Chinese theater. It pops out and it's uh, it, it has. Uh, where they're actually playing a re-release of 2001. Um, I missed uh, that. I you saw that. I missed how that they part. did it was they actually crashed. Yeah. Well, I only saw it because Debont pointed it out because he's such a Kubrick fan. He always tries to put some kind of like tribute to Kubrick in his movies. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I was like, wait a second. I was like, what is he doing this sh- in in Twister? But I'm like, oh yeah, they're playing The Shining at the drive-in theater before like the big. Oh okay. okay. It's big, been a lot of um, in Twister. Interesting. Uh, tornado hits. My wife loves Twister, and she loves Bill Paxton, and I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, like she made. I put this way. It's gone now, but she made us when we were at Universal Studios before we had kids, like ten years ago. She was like, "We have to go see the Twister ride at <laughs> Universal Studios," and it's like literally just Bill Paxton on a pre-recorded screen <laughs> just talking about tornadoes. And she was super pumped to see it. So. Aww, I love it. So uh, we're a big Bill fat, big uh, Bill Paxton fans in, in this house. So as you should be, as we should be. R.I.P. Uh, but so how they did that, and so they actually jumped a bus um dress, kind of dressed the bus as a subway car and drove a bus like through kind of like those like um con- kind of construction wall yeah. stuff and i know knowing that watching it you can actually see the bus tires on the bottom oh really of it when it's breaking through yeah <laughs> uh, but I, I never would have noticed if i hadn't been told how they did it I would have all, all again. All the practical effects and this look really good, and uh, yeah, to yeah, me kind of hold up. Fantastic. So, but I, uh, I mean, the whole movie is fantastic. It's it it is. I was very, like, I hadn't seen the whole thing start to finish in quite a while, um, so I was really, really like happy. I was like, oh my god, this holds up so well and is still amazing. I, I agreed. I um, 
it's it, I've never watched this with my kids, but I feel like this would be a fun movie with them. I feel you know, barring barring some of the language, mm, I was thinking the violence, same thing. I think this is a yeah. this is like a fun movie for kids. Um, uh, yeah. I'm curious. I was looking back at our notes, and I was like, you know, Atlanta PD bomb squad. Two years later, you could almost blame uh, Howard Payne for the Centennial Park bombing. <laughs> wow. So, uh, never that know. Howard Payne. He's a, he's a real piece of shit, as this movie establishes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I know we've talked about some, but Hopper is fantastic in this. He's good. I I, I was actually, to your point so earlier, good. about, you know, um, relationship with this movie as a kid. I don't remember Hopper from a lot of stuff as a kid other than this. And it's because I think he was kind of um, only doing serious roles or only kind of doing those kind of senior crazy roles. And I was like this and we're in the nineties. I, I watched it much later, but true romance. He plays the dad. He plays <laughs> yeah. um, Clarence's dad and, and that and he's really good. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of a shame. I wish I had a better appreciation for, for, um, uh, uh, his work you know before this maybe maybe earlier on because hopper hopper is just he's batting a thousand in this yeah it's it's a really impressive performance that you almost like take for granted while you're watching the movie like how good he is and it's like oh man like, <laughs> like yeah he was great <laughs> he was and i i think um where maybe Reeves isn't as good. He helps pick up some of the slack of kind of driving some scenes forward. I really like, I wish they had more of them on camera together. Cause you only get really, you maybe get two minutes of it uh, in the total movie. And it's yeah. a shame. Cause I think, I think them playing off each other is really good. And it's again, this whole cast is a group of people that I would have never probably put together if I had to pick myself, but it also tells you why I shouldn't be picking myself. because <laughs> um they all work really well. And I think, I think everybody's kind of a compliment to each other throughout. So uh, I, I love it. I, it's weird. I don't feel like I have that much to say about this movie because it's just a good. Yeah. Well done. It's just, it's only so many ways you can say, it's like, yeah, it, oh, it, it's great. <laughs> I wouldn't add to it. There's nothing I take away even for all the technology stuff. It focuses on with the bombs or cell phones or whatever. It just never feels, it doesn't feel like it ages at all and i think that's kind of a yeah that's what i was surprised too by it did not it really did not feel like it aged much at all compared to some of the other things we've been we've been watching so i um so i have to ask because i watched it last night who do you think would be a better detective utah uh uh special agent johnny utah or uh uh swat swat team member jack travin who who's gonna do a better job? As a as a detective? Yeah. Johnny Utah. Who's the better surfer? <laughs> Ooh, I mean Jack's pretty athletic. I, I think it's Jack Traffin. I'm giving Jack yeah. Traffin. I I mean I I get I, I don't think it, agree I don't, with you. I don't think Jack Traffin falls for any of uh, Bodie's bullshit in point break. <laughs> um uh, that's good. So no, one I, thing uh oh, oh go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You said you wouldn't change anything. I had one thing that I, I might change. Well, you're on wrong. the uh, Blu-ray for this, it has a special feature where there is, is uh, a game you can play, and there are two versions <laughs> of the game. <laughs> In the first one, you're playing as Jack, and you just move a cursor around the screen, and you're trying to defuse a bomb. 
in the other version, you're playing as Howard and you move a cursor <laughs> on your screen and you're trying to detonate bombs. <laughs> is it supposed to be like, multiplayer? Is... is it just like what? Like no, a... no, it's just a single thing. It's like a, it's like a simple like killing time kind of game. But like you're going for like a high score to see how many things you can find while you're doing this. But it's like quite the choice to, that you play the role of the uh, the bomber. The yeah. <laughs> yes, it's just... Where your goal is to detonate as many bombs as possible. Feels like a bad choice by the... Uh, I, I the... might might have dropped that one. <laughs> yeah, because this probably was a Blu-ray that came out, I'm sure, I'm sure well past 9-11. And it just maybe doesn't yeah. age well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. So which yeah, one did you play more? Funny. Did you play more as Jack or more as Howard? <laughs> I think I think uh, equal because... Uh... I wouldn't say they're the most engaging games in the universe. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I, gave, I gave them both a try. But. Fair enough. Well, um, so, all right. I, we, we, we've talked a bunch about this, obviously, and, and I think it's easy to tell that we we both really love this movie. Um, where would you rank this if you had to give it a score? Uh, so I'm doing my ratings here and this is incredibly arbitrary of die hard is a five out of five yeah so i'm doing that's my scale so i'm giving this 4.5 out of five uh wildcat sweatshirts (laughs) (laughs) um i hear you i think this is probably the best die hard on a blank version of die hard um I'm giving it a five out of five nine-fingered police officers <laughs> to completely muddle the hell out of this. No, um, it's it's so damn good. But yeah, it's good. It's... I, I, you get you get a lot of the, the technical competency behind a camera that you had in Die Hard One. Mm, I, good point. I, yeah, I think I think with uh, Debont shooting both, and then again, you know, the I, I think both look really good. I actually would argue that Die Hard. Or sorry, speed looks maybe better than Die Hard uh, a little bit, mm, and I, I think um, you can tell that that Devont put a lot of lessons he learned from working with because um, he works with uh, uh, McTiernan on two movies. He works on Die Hard in '88, and then in '90 they do uh, Hunt for an October together. I, I kind of feel like he learned a lot of the important lessons he needed to from McTiernan. And then he has a very distinct vision for how he wants this movie to look when he, when he, when he directs it too. So I think, I think in some ways this actually ex- exceeds Die Hard. Okay. Fair. Fair. I, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch maybe uh, them close together with that in mind to see, uh, to see what I think. But yeah, I mean, he is, worked with some big uh big guys right leading up to this so he's definitely taken from some masters with where yes I'm trying to uh I think for Verhoeven movies all Debon just did I think he didn't do anything like like Robocop or let me see or Total Recall let me see Jean Debont he did <laughs> for Verhoeven stuff. He did Basic Instinct. Okay. And actually, maybe that. Oh, he did Cujo. I forgot he was the guy who did Cujo. 
Because remember, there's that crazy scene where they've got the camera rotating in the middle of the car. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It, to give you this sense of how how hopeless and kind of deranged the whole thing has become. And that's such a... I remember when I watched that, I was like thinking, I think DeBont's cinematography in that is really what, what sets that movie apart. But it, um, I don't know. It's it's interesting. He, I think he didn't do that much Verhoeven stuff. I thought he did a lot more than maybe he did. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, um, we definitely didn't talk about it, but he does a movie in 1981 called Roar, and a lion uh, ripped off his scalp, and he had to have that surgically repaired. So that's such a that's horrible, but such a crazy story to think about for for uh, somebody's career, especially that 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 early in his career, for what it was. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Um. Okay, so we I think we both enjoyed this. Uh, we have two movies left. We have Dread. And we have Cliffhanger. So I think the ball is back in your court, I think, on movie selection. So what do you... I believe you are correct. Uh, So really, this is a choice. I'm making this choice for what we'll end on as opposed to what I'm uh, picking next. So uh, for next, I'm picking Dread. So we can end on Cliffhanger. Excellent. Because I really can't wait to talk about uh, Stallone and Spandex. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael Rooker. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think dread, you've not seen it. Uh, I've I've seen it a few times. I think it's good. I think it's a little bit underrated for an action movie because weirdly we've now done both of the judge dread movies. (laughs) Once we covered (laughs) this, um, uh, but I, I think it's, I think it's underrated. Carl does a really good job playing dread. Um, visually it's a very interesting and, and well done movie. And I think, um, it's a it's a fun diehard on a blank movie. I it's almost diehard on a diehard as well because it takes place <laughs> inside of one of the mega city uh, apartment complexes, and the terrorists are hunting Dread and and his partner. So, I think it's a fun one. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. I'm curious if if it's actually playing on. That's actually it's it's not a not streaming. We might, we might have to rent. Yeah, I will say out of this run, I've had to pay for conservatively 50 percent of the movies watched. <laughs> so the I, I probably a little bit lower because well i guess i paid for them at some point but i i, I own several that weren't available uh did you own streaming. speed uh i do i, do I, I, I don't know why I, I don't own this one i should but yeah all right so okay yeah, it's a really so, good one yeah is it you like speed it's a good movie yeah. <laughs> all right. This, all right. Well, if you had the choice, this or Speed Two Cruise Control. <laughs> well, Cruise Control, obviously. But. Excellent, because nothing. It, says... But I, I get it. it's it's like the Godfather and Godfather Two. You know, How a little bit. Pick? I would actually argue that um, Willem Dafoe's character in Cruise Control is is. Basically, he's playing a combination of the uh, the dad from Spider Man and um, um, some sort of supervillain that has that has like a leech superpower because he uses leeches to filter his blood in that movie, and that's like a big plot point for the whole movie. <laughs> All right, I might have to watch that soon. <laughs> yeah, we have to watch it again. So, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, buddy, I will. I will catch you next week for uh, the 2012. Is it 2012? Pretty sure it's 2012. Sure, why um, not? <laughs> yeah, fuck it, why not? Um, uh, Carl Urban classic, uh, Dread. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. And then well, yeah, I'll be ready. 
And uh, then we're going to do our finale with uh, the Stallone, truly the Stone classic from 1993 cliffhanger. So yeah, that, that one I'm looking forward to. Hell yeah, you are. Hell yeah.